Well, speaking of Port Adelaide, let's get to the considerable winners. Winning. Winning. Because Port Adelaide pulled off one of the great victories over the weekend. It looked like they were going to burn all their chances at the very, very last stages of the final quarter. One man stood up when it really, really counted. Maxie, you're going to have a closer look at this game and your considerable winner is? Well, it's obviously Port Adelaide. They beat Carlton just with Robbie Gray here, an incredible goal after the siren. In the wrong pocket from about 45 metres out, it was a very tough kick for a right footer. But as you said, sir, they had about three or four opportunities in the last probably five or so minutes. I was watching the game just thinking, Carlton are going to find a way to lose this game somehow. And with every opportunity that Port Adelaide kept missing, I think Charlie Dixon, you know, I, was, I will talk about in a bit, but he took a big grab, probably 10, 15 metres straight in front. And you just tell that him going back, he already looked exhausted. And then he, I think he came off with a blood rule and he looked pretty, <laughs> he looked all over the shot. But he, you could just tell as soon as he marked that ball that he was going to miss it. What looked like the golden opportunity was... Um, when Robbie Gray pretty unselfishly handed the ball off to Todd Marshall and somehow he's missed from the top of the goal square. So you just think, oh, maybe Carton are going to find a way to win it. But then Sam Mays laces out Robbie Gray on the lead and you just thought Robbie Gray's missed one as well, probably five minutes earlier from a sort of similar spot. It was probably 10 metres in from the boundary, but um, you just nailed it. Port Adelaide, I sort of picked them as my considerable winner. Winning! Because just from the perspective that they've only played one game at Adelaide Oval, so they've been in a hub for most of the um, season so far, and they've come away 6-1. and one. You've got to think in the next however many weeks, they're going to have a stretch of games coming at Adelaide Oval, playing teams that are pretty tired from being on the road, and they're going to be back at home 6-1. and one. And as I said before, in the next couple of weeks, I think they'll shore up a final spot, and then everything after that's gravy, and they should be cementing their top four spot. As I said, Charlie Dixon looks like in career best form. He's had a lot of injuries over the time and looks pretty good physical condition at the moment. Charlie's just got to fix up his goal kicking. He had, I think, kicked three goals four on the weekend. It was always interesting in the first half, they played Charlie Dixon and Todd Marshall fairly close together, and they're sort of flying for a lot of balls together, and they sort of spoiled each other, but they played Todd Marshall further up the ground in the second half and he's actually a really good kick for his size but I think they need to separate those two a bit more and um, get Todd Marshall further up the ground and they've also found another good young midfielder so we, we always talk about Rosie, Dersma and Butters but they've also found a really good new midfielder in Kane Farrell who's got a lethal left foot and in the past two weeks Port Adelaide have exposed opposition teams who have no idea about this bloke and he's kicked goals from 55, 60 metres out. They've also got Laddams who had 21 disposals. He's a ruckman that had the most disposals on the ground <laughs> and it just as a backup replacing Scott Lysette. So I'm starting to be more and more impressed with Port Adelaide at the start of the year. I was just, I'm always wary with Port Adelaide that they start years off really well and they tend to fall away come the back up of the year. So I'm still a little bit wary. But as I said earlier, I, I can't see them not making the top four from a 6-1 and one position. And considering in this year that they're going to have a real stretch of games at Adelaide Oval, I think they should be top four. Completely agree with you there, Maxie. And I've got to say, Charlie Dixon would have to be one of the most physically intimidating players in the competition right now. If you are any club defender other than Port Adelaide, even Port Adelaide defenders at training, I reckon, would be very, very scared coming up against him. He just looks hungry. He just looks like an absolute beast that wants the footy in his hands. Maybe bar those last couple of minutes... But bear in mind, probably the reason why he was so fatigued, Maxie, was that he had about three or four contests in a row. It just kept going into the forward 50. But 
yeah, gee, what a player. And looks like a completely different player to what he was in the very first season at the Gold Coast Suns. Yeah, we always had that potential, but he's just sort of been played. I'd like to, I haven't looked this up, but I'd like to see how many games he's played per season at Port Adelaide. I don't think he would have played many seasons of over 20 games. And he won't this year, considering that's only 17 game season. But it just looks like he's in the best physical shape that he's been in a long time. And it's you can see it's coming out into his footy at the moment. You mentioned going back to South Australia. It's a very, very big advantage for them. Frizy, let's get to your considerable winner. Winning! And they came up against another team that was very much under the pump. They were your mammoth loser last week. Frizy, take us through the team that you've selected for your considerable winner. Yes, certainly, Seb. So Melbourne for me this week. Despite Hawthorne making them sort of look a million dollars, that that was an important win, and they did it um, in a very, very strong fashion. They brought in young Sam Wiedemann, and I suppose with his game, you'd like that. That's more of the impact that he probably needs to have. And alongside that, we're hearing a lot again about Christian Petrarca. There was a bit just in the paper comparing him to Dustin Martin, not necessarily saying um, like for like, but very similar types with some similar... Strengths. Not sure about Melbourne actually sneaking into the eight. I mean, they, they obviously um, still could. Remember that they are a game short, just like Essendon, for that missed one. So they're three and three. Probably have to take something unexpected, though, to actually finish in the eight. But it's taken them probably a little bit longer to get things rolling than they might have hoped. But, yeah, that was that was a good win. It was It was an important one for them, I think. It seems like they've made better decisions at the selection table, Frizy. They haven't rushed Harley Bernal back, but it looks like he's a lot more comfortable in his role and he's been setting up a lot of play and had a lot of goal assists over the weekend. And also, Frizy, they found another young gun in Cozzy Pickett. He did a lovely little step around, sold some candy and set up more play over the weekend. So it looks like they're just starting to get their balance right with their 22 and also up forward, as you mentioned, with Wiedemann coming back in. They're looking a lot more strong up there and they have the players making good contests, but also they have the ground ball players as well. So it looks like they've finally got their selections right. They're certainly playing a lot better than what they were at the start of the season. The, yeah, the challenge is there for them. There's no reason why they can't, but they've probably got to win, what, say, six out of their last 10 or so. As you mentioned, sir, they um, they look a lot more dangerous with those two up front in Wiedemann and McDonald. That's a duo that opposition backlines won't fancy trying to lock them down. So they certainly look very sharp on the weekend. Yes, a very good win on the weekend, that is for sure, Frizy. But let's save our judgment on Melbourne for Sunday when they play the Brisbane Lions, a top four team. Let's see how good they really are. Now, Maxie, you're a man who knows your stats. You're a man who knows the market for the Brownlow very, very well. What are the chances that Christian Petrarca can run away with this year's Brownlow? From memory, I think he's coming close behind Lockie Neal, who's the current favourite. He'll pull a lot of votes in games that Melbourne do win. The only thing I'm thinking is he might go head-to-head with Max Gorn and might steal votes off each other. And isn't it perfect timing as well, Maxie, that both these players will line up against each other this weekend? Yeah, I'd still personally have um, Lockie Neal as my favourite but Petrarch has definitely come a long way this year. I think he's definitely in career-best form. And if Melbourne continue winning, then you never know. But I've still got my money on Lockie Neal. Yeah, with Christian Petrarca well in contention for the Brownlow, it does make me look back at the 2014 AFL draft because 
As you guys are aware, Christian Petrarca went second in that draft. Many times he was touted as the number one pick by a lot of experts. And the man who went number one, the first selection in that draft was Paddy McCartan. And if you guys did just a quick comparison, we know Paddy McCartan has been unlucky and we do know that key forwards don't grow on trees. But gee, at this stage right now, you'd have to say Melbourne won that draft. I think they also had Brayshaw at big three. I think St Kilda's main rationale behind going with McCartan is they didn't have a younger key forward at the time. From memory, I don't think Dim Membry, Josh Bruce was there as well. They wanted their full forward for the next 10 to 15 years. I think the Saints have got a pretty decent midfield already, so I don't think it's too big of a loss. But Monday morning quarterbacking, you definitely go with Petrarca now. Let's start with you, Maxi, because you have identified a club who has lost their last five matches in a row. And on the weekend, they had a Saturday night slot, which would have favoured them looking at this in earlier weeks. But unfortunately, they've stumbled and stumbled pretty badly, Maxi. Uh, no good for North Melbourne on the weekend and the kicking. Uh, 23 points. They've had a bit of trouble going forward, and I think that's sort of contributing to the Ben Brown's form slump at the moment. And now, well, as you said, they've lost the last five in a row and are now 17th. They play Carlton this week. I'll definitely be tipping Carlton in that one, which is at the Gabba. Carlton played pretty well on the Gabba, so they're familiar with the ground. I just want to open up discussion to you, lads. Where do you think um, North Melbourne are with their list? I think most of their better players are sort of ageing with Zebel. Cunnington, Goldstein, Higgins and Tarrant. They had the opportunity to trade away Higgins and Goldstein last year. From memory, it was Geelong who had a bit of interest. And I don't really see them having big crop of elite talent. My view, the only players that I would say are elite in the sort of under-22s are Jai Simkin, and that's about it. So, yeah, where do you guys sort of see North Melbourne's list at the moment? Yeah, that's, that's a pretty alarming point, that last one there. Yeah, I don't think this list is the one that's going to take them to their next flag or at least their next strong tilt at a flag. So I think they've got to have a good think because probably aren't ready to launch yet in the next season or two. I don't think that's an option. So perhaps a little bit like we, we mentioned last week about Hawthorne, you, you do reach a point where I think you can see that, yep, we've got to do a little bit of drafting first. Yeah, my issue with them is they've been in no man's land for a long time and they haven't reached... Well, they had a few prelim finals, but even those were 2014 and 15. So that's a while back yep. looking at it now. And just like Hawthorne, without the success, but they haven't had access to elite talent in the draft, which I think by default has left them to this point where now they haven't had the access and they've sort of tried to maintain in that middle part of the ladder and now they're 17th. And whether or not they can afford as a club to go down the rebuild phase financially which I think is a bit of a worry why they haven't committed to going down a full rebuild in the past. Having lost their last five games in a row, I think the reshore honeymoon period's over. There's an article that I've found on ESPN during the week, and it details the 33 players North have missed out on since 2013. Some of the names on this list, Eddie Betts, Rory Sloan, Sam Doherty, Adam Trelaw, Kale Hooker, David Zaharakis, maybe not the biggest miss there, David Mundy... David Swallow, of course, Josh Kelly was a big one that they were really fishing for. Luke Bruce, Jack Gunston, Travis Boak, 
Dustin Martin was another very, very big one that they missed out on. Mm. So they've missed out on some very, very good players in that list. Players in that list that I mentioned, some went on to win Brownlows, others have went on to win club best and fairest. These sorts of players could have definitely got them up the ladder. They're just not a destination club. And as you mentioned, Maxi, very, very aging list, the fourth oldest list in the AFL. Wow. Fryzy, let's get to your mammoth loser for round seven. And Fryzy, who is on your list? Who is under your microscope for this round? Gone for the Giants. Danger signs now for GWS there. As we said a moment ago, going from one grand final to missing the eight. Uh, 12 months later regardless is a scary thought and doesn't happen to teams too often so things just haven't really worked out for them this season whether they've they haven't quite had their their best side available that often so that that always seems to be an issue with the with the Giants as um seems like the the talent they've got sitting on the bench is as much if not greater than the ones out there they're keeping very competitive and you know what you're going to get each week they're a difficult team to beat but um yeah it's it's a little bit concerning i think where their situation sits now the grand final replay as well frozzy what a big stage to prove themselves on it's going to be massive and thankfully it's not at the mcg if you're a giant supporter i'm very much looking forward to it it's season on the line for them fries it is yeah if the giants can get it and go to four and four well it's uh it's not all doom and gloom just yet but boy boy do they need to win this